Well, this is Empires of the Future, and uh, wow, we uh, we've been really lazy. This is I, I you know we have, what we have, we have not gotten in the groove. That's this, right. This late part of the early part of the spring. The, so second year blues, I guess we have. Yeah, you know. we're, we're getting too comfortable in our popularity. Yeah, <laughs> right. We have struggled <laughs> to, to be just rigid every week. It is odd. I mean, uh, I don't think of early spring as, uh, I, I guess, do a lot of people take vacation at that time, but you and I both, both did uh, a couple yeah. weeks apart there, so that set us off of our yeah. schedule a little bit. We're going to back, get back on it, though, Yeah, back in the groove. Well, because we, we started last year, and we had the biggest <laughs> pandemic in 100 years, <laughs> So there's right? nothing else there's to nothing do else but podcasts. And everyone started podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> And, you know, they can be forgiven for that. Right. In our defense, we start planned and started officially before yes. anybody knew there was going to be a pandemic. So yeah. uh, that happened. But, yeah, everybody else started podcasts. Podcast. And actually listening to a uh, – we have a few months. We, have, we have, haven't seen each other in a few weeks. We have right. time to catch up here on, on this podcast. I yeah. think people listen to us catching up a little <laughs> bit. Um, but have you gotten into anything uh, new? Or different? Uh, let's see. Since I've seen you last, uh, we did a, uh, a friend of mine and I uh, did a concert for my mom for her birthday. Uh, we, her two favorite so artists. serenaded her. That's right. Yeah. We, we, her two favorite artists are um, Jackson Brown, after whom I am named, actually, nice. uh, and then the Eagles. And those are two very fun and very challenging uh Groups slash uh, individuals to learn songs by. Um, so uh, my friend Brad Davidson and I uh, did that for our three-phase vacation. We did that, and then we went to Wren Lake uh, over there in around Benton, Illinois. And uh, did you know that pine cones burn really well? That's the best summary I can give of they burn of, really well of what our uh, camping experience for three days with a camper it wasn't roughing it or anything. Meaning it burns well, like it also brings like a smell to the. Well, they just burn really fast, and it's kind of fun to just go get a lot of pine cones, and then you know they just right. make a big old flame real quick. And All so right. the boys and I did that because listen, I have a five year old and a three year old. Like yeah. they're yeah. simple things yeah, yeah. are very entertaining. They and love Michael Bay movies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so we did that uh, for three days with my in-laws, and that was a great time. And then we went to St. Louis to the aquarium, uh, along with a little side stop at the zoo for an afternoon. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I've been, I've did been you, everywhere, man, as Johnny Cash would say. It's funny you should ask. That's the main thing we did see was the yes. polar bear. We kind of spent time in the more Arctic area, so we saw penguins and puffins, uh, polar bear, grizzly bear, uh, things like that. Yeah, it's worth the first go. Yeah, that was yeah. It was an impressive bear. Yeah, the polar bears are pretty cool. As bears go, as bears go, that's, the polar bear is probably the best. That's right. Um, but I, you know, so something I've gotten into, I, I posted it on Facebook that I am now a Formula One fan. Really? Oh yeah, I'm going in all in on a sport that nobody else watches <laughs> in the United States. Uh, I already I already have a team. I like that. I have another McC- word team. I'm going to be a so. McLaren team. Oh yeah, I'm a McLaren team. <laughs> okay. And uh, which you know, McLaren is a British. Car company, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna go in. I watched uh, the last week. I watched uh, highlights and then watched half of the race on Sunday after church. And uh, yeah, good thing about Formula One is is that the races are really short, like sixty laps. Okay, so like two hours. Yeah, that's good. Two that's, hours. It's like soccer. That is, that's long. The enough, Europeans yeah. they they get sports almost better than the United States. America was like we like baseball, which has no time. Baseball can be. 
five hours long, six hours long. Right. Uh, not in, not in not in European sports. Soccer yeah. is ninety minutes long, no mm-hmm. more, no less. The uh, Formula One is sixty laps, no more, no less. And uh, so yeah, you get it in, you get out, you, you know, it's good. There you go. There you well, go. Good. So I'm in. So that's what you've been doing the last few weeks since I've seen you last. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you where the inspiration came from. It has to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's a TV show on Netflix called. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what is it called? Uh, 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 so I've read the name of the show. Anyways, it's about Formula One. <laughs> I've read the name of the show. It's about Formula One. Okay. It, it was, it's like a documentary. I'm sure if you go look up Formula One on Netflix, it'll yeah, pop up. There yeah, there's not going to be very many. <laughs> um, and uh, so, oh, yeah. So the documentary got you into it. The documentary got me did into it. Did you watch that recent movie? Uh, you did. I remember you told me about it. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it, there's a, My about. Nicky Lando, who's a, uh, who's a German Formula One driver. Who was in it? Uh, well, that German guy who played like a bad guy, you know, this big Civil uh, Marvel Civil War movie. He was a German dude who was oh. along with the, the Black Panther type of storyline. I don't remember the character's name, but I know the actor is German, and he was also, and so he plays the German Formula One driver. Okay. And then, uh, and then uh, Chris Hemsworth plays the British driver. Okay, and cool. There you go, there's the Marvel connection. Yeah. Well, it's going to be hard to stay away from a Marvel connection because, I mean, I don't They're know if you've everywhere. heard, but uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus yes. is now in the Marvel Cinematic is, is Universe. Is she Elaine in the, the Marvel show? Or? <laughs> she act- no, she's not. <laughs> but it would be great if she was. Yeah. Well, Seinfeld's in the Marvel <laughs> movie. <You're right. laughs> yeah, they bought everybody. They bought everybody. <laughs> uh, she, so she's in, yeah. That's awesome. Well, if you like that show. Winter Soldier. I uh, actually finished it this morning and pretty underwhelmed. Wow. Yeah, it's not. Um, they they just didn't. Uh, seems to be a thing right now that they plan kind of multi part series and they don't have a plan. <laughs> they, How this, not this have a plan? Show, yeah. They, they started something like five major sort of character arcs, and in this show, they were like, yeah, we got an idea of how to complete one of them, and then the other four, they're like, I don't know, this guy, he's okay, and she's kind of bad, but not that much, and and it just kind of ends. One guy gets a good character arc, and the other four are just like, I don't know, maybe we'll get to them sooner or later, but here's something of them, and that's the end, and that was not satisfying to me. I like characterization is very important to me in stories and so there you go it failed yeah that for you okay well i have not watched any of those shows i don't have plans to watch those shows but i'm watching the formula one show though right. you know so right. i have my you priority and, straight you know, four or five other people it's that's good. right that's right we're keeping it going um <laughs> <laughs> uh, to transition into more serious matters uh we have an article here about intensive parenting which i is on the atlantic right yes it was um, from the atlantic by joshua, joshua coleman. coleman um and, uh, yeah, I, this was very interesting. And uh, uh, we probably have some, some good stories or some good things to say about our own childhood, how we were raised. Yes. Different. And than, probably will say them. De- most, definitely different than this. Yeah, definitely. Dense. Uh, I mean, I, I can tell you from the start, I was not intensively parented according to their uh, definition here. Well, and you're like how many, you're like two years older than me? So I'm 40. Oh, you're 40. So I'm yeah, 47. I'm 41. So I think 41. I'm in the kind of the, the, the gray area. Mm-hmm. My parents, because I was a firstborn, I think there was a slight intentional, intensive parenting, but... Uh, but very much mild compared to what we see here. Mm-hmm. Very mild. Yep. We're, um, and so, and I wouldn't even say my, my siblings, who are much younger than me, were intensive. Now, they may say they were intensive parent, uh, parented, but uh, I, I don't know to the matter to the level that is being expressed yeah. in this particular article. Yeah. So I feel like I was explaining to you earlier, like I was 
pretty much allowed to get on my bike and go, you know, to my friend's house who lived fe- several neighborhoods over mm-hmm. and play whatever f- sports with whomever we were going to play with. My parents didn't call their parents to make sure and do a background check before we played with them. Right. We just played, right? right? And we found a field and played football or whatever sport we would play. And uh, that was just pretty much our childhood. And yeah. my parents didn't drop us off. We just kind of went and did our thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that would be uh, a good place to start. Uh, their their sort of definition of intensive parenting is uh, sacrificing as parents uh, generally uh, hobbies, interests, friendships uh, to devote as much time and as many resources as possible to parenting. This is his definition uh, that we find right here in the initial sentence from this article. Uh, and the goal is that they might be able to launch their children into a stable adulthood. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, before we started that uh, one thing this used to be called was helicopter parenting, mm-hmm. but it seems that this is sort of like a helicopter parenting plus sort of this uh, plan to dedicate your time, energy, resources into your child's development. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like helicopter parenting with a map yeah. <laughs> and with a, with a plan with a and with a, you know, <laughs> with this dedication to, to focus and, and that, that, that somehow this will result in a more successful child. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, I, we were talking, I, I've interacted with, you know, college students even lately, and this article kind of had some. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, whoa I'm seeing, I, I'm seeing that with this kind of like, um, even the way that par- kids talk about their parents today, it's so different. I think you know than we did. Like, it was very much like you know my my parents are so important to my life and and even to my even to my my future and and so I just feel like I really just need to. To, I'm really close to my mom, and so therefore, like, I need to go back home, or I need to spend time on because I really enjoy just spending time with my my family, my parents. And well, I I think there's a sense where like, well, what's wrong with that? They love their parents, like, yeah, but I don't know if it's healthy for the for the students' future that the way they talk about their family. I don't think I've ever heard them talk about any other person that way. Yeah, not a friend, not an individual, but the parents are so entwined to where they want to go in life or where they need to live in life that I've never really been even thought of that, that, that they, that the parent and the child consider each other best friends. I never really put those two and two together, but that really is kind of what's going on. That, um, is mentioned later on in this as sort of an ideal that we've ended up with in, um, some corners. And I, like, let's start here. I'll, I'll just, uh, I don't know if this is a topic we've ever described, but um, uh, we don't do, I don't think we do a whole lot of hot takes, uh, but since this is not our main point today, um, I'll give uh, one hot take that is sort of different, especially from kind of our evangelical subculture, sure. and here it is. Uh, my wife is not my best friend. Um, and and I say that hot take, I like it. because... It's very, yeah, right. <laughs> it's very in vogue today yeah. among uh, people of our yes. type to, you know, talk about how yeah. my wife is my best friend. And, and I, uh, strangely enough, it looks like you and I are also on a very similar page about this. Yeah. It's like, no, look, her being my wife is quite enough <laughs> as far as 
Like, that's a pretty important place in my life. Yeah. And, and believe me, she occupies every bit of that place, and yeah. she does it well. And, right. and then meanwhile, uh, historically, people have had friends. Yeah. I have historically had friends in my life. I value them very much. And I consider it a gift from God to be able to have a wife yeah. and also friends. Yeah. Um, but You're I, a unicorn, I, aren't you? Yeah, I, it's, it's a very <laughs> odd thing, and it's especially odd to do. I, I mean, you know, it's so strange because if you're not of our tribe, then you're probably listening to this going, what's, the, what's such a big deal? It's like, well, I don't, you haven't been to the conferences I've been to. You haven't seen the Twitter accounts and oh, all the yeah, things of sure. people just going, and thinking, no, 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 what's wrong? You know, your wife should be your best friend. It's like, right, look, right. I have a best friend. I'm happy. Right. My best friend actually, honestly, also is a guy. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, like that's, you, friendship is this wonderful free thing yeah. without uh, a lot of kind of um, vows behind it. Right. Uh, a friendship is, I believe, designed by God to be uh, this thing in life that is foundational and right. fundamentally important to life, but right. without heavy chains attached to it. Right. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about this in Four Loves. Like yeah. romantic love is different than friendship. Yes, romantic love. There's there's something going on there. Like from a emotional standpoint mm-hmm. and that type of thing. It, even and we don't like to talk about this in the name of the Christian world, but you know humans are mammals. You know, and, and there's there's sexual there's there's draw towards one another, a male and a female, right? That's that God has placed in us, right? Yep. And uh, but friendship is. Different, like yep. there is no mating right. that's drawing us together. There's no romantic tie that's bringing us together. There, there is not even like romantic companionship. It's I, you like what I like. Yep. Let's go spend time together. Yes, and and I mean that that posture. Like uh, I think most people would agree that the fundamental posture of uh, eros or the romantic yeah, relationship sure. is people looking towards each other, looking right. at each other. And the fundamental posture of friendship is two people looking away from each other toward right. the same thing. Right. Um, right. I mean, look, one thing that's going on. You and I have our friendship has grown right. because we get together every week and we talk about something. We right. look right at something together right. and right. we listen to each other's opinions. That's a that's a fundamentally friendship type of thing to do. That's right. Um, and so. I, 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 I say that to say, I, I, I think it's a strange phenomenon that you can consistently see in our day as we, uh, another hot take, I think we're just getting worse and worse at relationships, yeah. that we kind of do things that are not terribly well thought out, like, why can't you just combine these relationships? It's like, well... If you want to be a pioneer in that, anticipate trouble. Right, but right. Then also, You're breaking new ground. You might just be wrong. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And in this regard, uh, I, I, you know, I hear like what you're talking about and what we read about in this article that talks about that maybe the ideal for uh, parents and children is that they would become best friends. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a good enough ideal that parents can continually be, be parents and kids right. can be kids and you can develop right. uh, that relationship. I don't right. know if there are limits to what that relationship right. can be, right. um, but also I don't think you should just try to simply summarize it and idealize it as just like, oh, just a friendship. Because it will never be just a friendship. I mean, right. you know, I mean, like my children came from my, my wife's body and right. my, my body. That's right. amazing. That's right. a whole different thing. Right. Uh, they, they look like me. Right. And, and, and you know, yeah. they share DNA, the right. things that are very uh, complex. Right. Um, and, and so kids will look at their, their parents. They will always look at their parents differently. They would look at other someone else. Right. Because they're, they're parents. Right. I mean, yeah, my dad is someone I look up to, and we do stuff like we like to snow ski, uh, like to watch movies and stuff, and we'll sit and talk and that type of thing and talk about sports. 
but he's still my dad. Yeah. And he will always be that right. until the day he dies. Or, and, but my friends, we talk about similar things, but it just, it's a different, there's a difference yeah. there. And, and I think, I think people, I think people, I think you're right. People are, are struggling with relationships that these kind of like pretty self contained categories like parents, fathers, mothers, we then start to, because we're so bad at other relationships that we do need, but we don't have them, we'll just start taking these relationships and then adding to them and say, okay, you're my Mm -hmm. mom and my dad, but now Mm -hmm. you're also going to be my best friend because I don't have one and I don't really want to make one. And so I'll just keep, we'll just continue to have that type of relationship, even though that's maybe not appropriate. And maybe you do actually need peers that are similar age and similar walk going in the same direction and you can kind of help one another uh, as peers, as people growing together to, you know, as, as we kind of do life together. Uh, and you're right. A wife is deeper than a friend. And why, why, why take wife or husband and then go, yeah, but that's, I don't know. That's just, we they also need to be our, our friends, right? It's like, well, they're better. They're deeper than that. They're your wife, your husband. Right. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have like men that you can say, hey, man. I'm having some issues with my right. kids. I'm right. having some right. issues with my wife. What do, I, what do you think I should do? Yep. He also, with wife and kid, go, yeah, this is some things we've been doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's helpful and needed. Yeah. And uh, But I think you're, I think, and even, we've talked about this before, even even other men in our profession struggle with friendships. Yes. Within even the own Christian, even though we, yep. we have similar uh, callings, yep. similar uh, context in which we work on, things that we could help one another, we typically don't. Yep. Because we're so stuck with our, well, you know, we have a wife, we have kids, we have our congregations. We we don't have time for friends. As if that is something that we don't need. It's almost like, ah, you know, if I have time. But friendship is is important and significant. And yeah, I mean, Jesus had friends that he spent time with and and did life with. And yet we seem to think we don't need friends. And that's that's a troubling thing. Yep. Yeah, and um, and I think this, uh, you're gonna we're gonna get to this, but I think this is even a a huge part of this is that why not having friends? I thought this was one of the, the probably the more important things for me to take is that we don't become members of institutions. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about right. that, but I think that is like I think one of the bigger parts of this, or I mean, maybe the biggest thing that I took out of it that I think will be interesting as we get to that's that a really good yeah. takeaway and so that'll that'll be um, there are so many implications of this so this is one of those articles that pops up out of uh, a lot of different sort of realms crosses uh, in in sure. this in this very uh, emotionally charged and important realm which is parents and children um, and then goes a lot of different places and so um, there, there, this is an interesting article because there are certain kind of um, things that are pointed to that I go, well, that's just uh, oversimplifying the story. Um, but the, the basic uh, assertion that, you know, intensive parenting is going on, like I can tell you, first of all, I believe it. I see it. That people are leaving, um, leaving a whole lot of other things, uh, such as what are mentioned here, hobbies, uh, interests, friendships, uh, in order to... 
in, in order to, um, one, yes, to a degree it's about children, but two, I've seen this, and I, I can almost guarantee you will agree with this. A lot of times this is an excuse for people to not have to engage with other people. I think you're right. They can go, oh, I can just, I got to deal with the kids, so I got to go. Right. I, can't, right. I can't go do that thing with right. you because I got right. it. And, um, and, and, you know, so, look, some of that might be guilt-based. I'm not saying all of this is just as simple as, like, social anxiety or... Um, but th- these are the sorts of issues that are being crossed here. And so I, I, I think I want to summarize kind of um, the first major point here to say that caution, it's a lot of weight to put on a parent-child relationship to say, hey, by the way, hope we become best friends someday. I mean, honestly. Because I don't have any friends right now. So if, if you're not my friend, I've got nobody. Right. I mean, it almost reminds me of like a, a Will Ferrell, kind of like a plot for a Will Ferrell movie. Like, by the way, I, I, don't, I can't gain any friends. I can't make any friends. So... Like, make sure, you know, parent, that you're around to be my best friend when I, you know, when I'm 25. It's like, okay, look, they're your parent. They, yeah. That's their commitment level, right. you know? Right. You can't guarantee. I mean, because one thing that uh, about our life that uh, changes with our age is our interests. And so somebody who is 20 to 40 years older than you, I mean, look, when my daughter is born here in a couple months, uh, I'm going to be 41 yeah. years right. older than right. her. right. Common interests are certainly not guaranteed. Right, they're going to be there. I hope they're there, Um, but you can't guarantee these sorts of things. And that's the stuff that friendship is made of. Because again, friendship is this gift that that is not governed by much other than just shared interests. Anything, horses, you know, four wheelers, baseball cards, baseball itself. I mean, making tables. You can do anything as friendships around as long as you both enjoy it. Right. Uh, and that's, it's, it's, it's peculiar because you, you both do need to enjoy it. Right. Uh, otherwise it's kind of a burden for one of the right. two people. That, and that's why you were about why is there not your, not your friend. I think that like my, I love Lisa, but she does not want to sit down and watch this football game with me. She right. definitely doesn't want to watch Formula One, right? right. She doesn't want to. <laughs> she hasn't got on board with that yeah, yet. She's not going to want to do that. Now, yep. and I was talking about somebody about this, but common interests, it's like, you know, husband and wife should have common interests. Mm-hmm. I mean. You're married to each other, right? Sure. You, you got to do stuff together, yeah. right? But there's going to be some stuff that she might join in just to encourage or just to kind of support you. But that's about as far as it's going to go, right? On occasion, uh, maybe one, maybe two. But she's not going to be a fan every week, right? Yeah. She's not going to be with you. Yeah. She's not going to show up at 530 and go running with you. Like, yeah. that's just not her yeah. deal. Yeah. And you're not asking her to, right? right? You've right. got other people you can do that with. Right. And so um, your life has benefited because, and she's benefited too because she's not having to meet you there. And so like, you know, I having people that I can talk about college football with or, you know, or, or anything like that, that's like a shared common interest that yeah. I'm not having my wife have any of that because she's not going to read the articles and she's not going to be interested in yep. it. And so I think that's good and healthy. Yeah. And if we can't be honest and say that, then I think there's going to be some problems in parenting relationships and marriage relationships because people are going to have expectations that are just unrealistic. Right. They cannot be met. Right. My wife cannot, she's not going to dive into Tennessee football at the level I am, and she doesn't want to. And I don't have an expectation. I'm not sitting out every Saturday morning going, I wish my wife would just come and watch this game with me and enjoy it the way I do. Like, that would right. be unrealistic. Right. It would be unfair right. Right. to her. So, um, yeah, there's a, that weight is like, ah, uh, it's not good. And I think it will lead, especially in like a, a marriage relationship, could lead to like 
real big problems, divorce maybe, because someone's like, I just don't understand why that person can't right. do this with me. Right. And it's like, well, where do you go from there? Right. I mean, uh, if they're not willing to make friends and do that, then there's a little, little hope, right. I think. Um, so, You know, and I mean, there's so many layers to that. Uh, I'll say one last thing about it, which is this reminds me of sort of that first year of marriage, which is a really odd year in which you go through things like, wow, this is going to be great. Wow, she's going to sit here, you know, and watch StarCraft with me. Right. And then she does. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm sitting there and I can tell she's not having a good time. Yeah. And then I have this new question on my mind. It's like, oh, is that my goal? That she would just sit here for like two hours while I watch this tournament and she's just like not having a good time and I, I'm aware of it. And I, is that what I want? Is that where I, because that's, you, you never think about that. That's not something when you're, when you're starry eyed and single and you meet this person, you're not like, oh, one day I can get them to sit by me and not enjoy something right. that I do enjoy. Yeah. Because there are women out there that do like that stuff. Obviously, you're not attracted to them. You didn't get married to them. <laughs> That's right. Right. And so, yes, there are mysteries in marriage. Yeah, those women that love Tennessee football and cheering hard, you're like, I'm not really attracted to that. Right, yeah, it's a weird thing. It's there a weird go. thing. There's mysteries all in that. Uh, so that's just one of the areas of tension. Um, let's, let's interject here uh, kind of a contrast uh, to intensive parenting. Uh, so here's here's what Joshua Coleman says. Uh, I remember I started reading this. I was like, so Joshua Coleman. That's a very I don't I don't know how to gauge uh, when when this guy was born, where he grew up, or anything like this. But then thankfully, it was one of those articles yep. where he tells us. Yep. He said, "Quote: Prior generations didn't need to be as preoccupied with their children's well-being or future." Growing up in Dayton, Ohio in the 1960s, my brothers and I were as luxuriously removed from our parents' minds as they were from ours. It was the gilded age of childhood freedom. My brothers and I consumed hours of television and ate staggering amounts of sugar. I'm going to second that one. I did that for breakfast. For breakfast. Yes, I second that, yes. Uh, we vanished each summer morning, biked back for lunch, and then disappeared again till dusk. My parents also had a life. My mother played Mahjong weekly with the girls and went out every weekend with my father without calling it date night. My dad played squash on weekends at the downtown YMCA and didn't seem to worry about whether my brothers and I felt neglected. Oh, All right, of so this, great. what do you identify with and what do you... Uh, well, my first thing was uh, the movie um, uh, Sandlot. Yes, okay. I mean, because like, every day in the summer, right, they left their home yep. and they went and played baseball. Yes. Yep. That's what they did. Yes, and they did it, it seemed like in the movie, all day long. Oh, every yeah. And day. I can certainly, this, that does remind me certainly of summers, say yep. when I'm like um, 9, 10, 11, 12. I can tell you, I can tell you specific names of people that, yeah. you know, uh, me and uh, I was an only child, so my cousins, Bradbrook and Ben, walking around the neighborhood, uh, Navarro, John- Navarro Johnson down the street, we, you know, found, we found a field. It was mm-hmm. actually, I mean, yep. uh, playing baseball yep. with, with kids that were in the neighborhood. Yep. And you were gone. I mean, you yep. were gone hours. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you were gone. And I remember my mom, my mom played Bunko uh-huh. a weekly, right? And, you know, I remember when my mom was hosting Bunko that particular yeah. night. You know, we had to go to the, me and my, my dad, and we had to go to the other room. Or yeah. Play basketball outside, whatever it was. I can't remember exactly, but we knew we couldn't be in the room, right? Because they were playing Bunko, right? Um, <laughs> which was, you know, called Drunko. My mom didn't get drunk at it, but it was just kind of a nickname, you know, called it. But, anyways. But the girls, right? The <clears throat> women that my yeah. mom was friends with yes. that I didn't really know that yeah. well. I knew their, their name. I got to know them a little bit more the older I got, yeah. but not very well, yeah. right? Because they're not, yeah. they're my mom's friends. They're not my friends. Yeah. Like, I'm not supposed, they don't, they don't ride a bike and play games like we do. 
my, you know, so my, my dad, like, he must have had friends at work, but, you know, he, guys don't have guys' nights at the house. That's not common. And so, you know, moms, they have stuff in the home and do things together. And yeah, isn't that an odd, um, yeah. you know, I'm thinking back, we, we talked about the difference between men and women. I would say, historically, that is the difference between men and women that, uh, Women, I mean, you're reminding me right now, uh, I haven't thought about this in a long time, my mamma, when I was a kid, she would have her uh, friends of hers come over and they would play cards. Yeah. They played pitch uh, yeah. is one thing they would play a lot. And um, But but my, my papa would go fishing. Uh, you know, the men tend to go somewhere, somewhere to find a thing to do. But yeah. with women, it's, uh, that historically, that seems to be a thing that yeah. happens. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that, that just, uh, you know, my, my, my mom wasn't, concern that having um, having something like that uh, once a week was somehow taking one night away from family time or something right. like that that was never a part of the a concern why because like as kids we see our parents all the time like you know we don't need to see them when this and I was busy doing other stuff playing sports and and doing other things and and my mom had her her life and as kids you have your own life in a right. sense right like right. you have your sports you have your friends you um you like to watch movies or whatever it was or tv shows and you played video games and you had your friends over you played video games that that was like what you did and that was good and healthy and you know um my dad I, you know talking about my, my dad worked nights and he my but i never felt like my dad was never around like he right. came to sporting events when he could and my mom i, I just we never thought that our parents needed to be with us every moment of the day. It just never was a thought to us. And it, it never was, I wish my parents were around more. Like, that never even popped in our minds. Right. And it, so and that drives me even further um, down the road that that certainly there there is um, this idea of intensive parenting that that there are concerns that people have as far as success that you know will my kids make it into a good school is there the, sure. is their education on track but I, I do think that something else is going on in that um, we certainly succumbed to the project that is after us which is all this individualized entertainment you know I mentioned Starcraft a minute ago look there there are I, I know of five YouTube channels that I'm subscribed to are constantly uploading content that I could sit on my individualized device right. and watch alone right our experiences have been designed for individuals and we are buying into that yeah. we and, and in our defense i think we're the first uh, among the first generations to have this happen to us to where so many kind of individualized entertainment experiences are thrown at us and we are drinking them in and experiencing negative side effects in the sense that uh, look, uh, part of it is it's a lot easier. I don't have to call somebody to watch a YouTube video. Nope. I can sit and I can watch one. And as as everybody, you, you know, especially if we work with young people, you can you can find somebody in five minutes. You and I could call somebody in five minutes and find somebody who watched ten episodes of Netflix in the last two days. Right. Uh, straight, probably. Straight, right. And, because those individualized experiences are much easier. Look, a part of what we, we are dealing with is, yeah, it's a little bit of a social hassle right. to set up disc golf or fishing right. or bunko. Right. I mean, right. any look, yeah, it's not you, – you have to be a little more dogged in your determination to make it happen. Right. Um, I can already see that one way we're going to go today is encouragement to everyone. Make those things happen more yeah. often. Yeah. Know that the first time you bring it up, 
you're not going to be received. It's new, and, and it's not something right. we're great at now. Right. But then keep it going and make sure you have these things in your life because less of that is a part of our problem. Yeah. It, it is. I, I, fewer friends. I heard it this week. I mean, one just one interesting detail. One way to stave off uh, mental decay uh, through aging or even uh, through whatever, surprising way, is to have a wide circle of friends. Engage with different kinds of people. Yeah, and 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 that ought to be a, just a beginning uh, to think through. Uh, listen, you need to engage with different people in your life and maintain a certain degree of friendships. It's good for you. Yeah, and it is going to take some effort. Yeah, it is easier to engage in whatever. I mean, this is what's so wild about it is I can mention Starcraft, and I know that it means nothing to most people, but it's like yeah. I, I could get some of you to tell me your Pinterest interests, yeah. and I would have no interest in that either. Right. But we all, that's what the thing. We all have our two or three things that we could spend and do spend three, four, five, six hours every day. Right. Just, yeah, nobody else knows how much of this I do or what specifically I am about it. Kind of like micro-entertainment, I think we've called it before. But we're spending a lot of time in this, and it's like, okay, but to a degree, that's fine. What what? Are the areas in your life, though, that you are growing in your relationships with just people? Right. It's yeah. And you, you, this uh, sociologist uh, mm-hmm. has a few uh, just statistics here about friends and how there's how much more you know people in the in the sixties uh, had friends and mm-hmm. they um, and uh, but the one po- that I mentioned this earlier, I just wanted to talk about this, is that so that 168 percent more organizational membership. Mm-hmm. It's just that was that right there. Like I think it really hit me is that um, you know like Rotary Club type stuff, PTA type yep. things. Um, you know involvement in organizations that are better in bettering communities, schools, hospitals, yep. whatever it is. And now that's in a more decline because when you yeah when you have friendships when you have people you like get together and you you do stuff and you yep. organize right yep. and you create institutions and you go hey it'd be really cool if we did this to help this issue right because especially if you're parents like you see certain issues in the community that may impact your children and so you get together to fix it right and yep. to work towards. Uh, a common end, and uh, and that included the church, mm-hmm. right? And and we've talked about this in parts, and or even in, in just in just common conversations together that the decline in, in in participation in church. I never really connected it, but this is an issue that yeah, is being yeah. popped up. Is that is that people are sh- family or the children are so much the religion, and it is kind of the the spiritual uh, or religious uh, participation. Yep. That that they don't have time for for church or any other type of involvement, anything else, and so you know it's interesting. You know, there are people that I interact with. I go to coffee shops and we'll see some other people and we'll interact with them. And a lot of times, these people are involved in, in any type of organized religion. They may call themselves Christians, but they're mm-hmm. not connected to a body of believers. And it's almost impossible to get them to to agree to anything, to like, come alongside, or, hey, why don't we do this together? Why don't we part- host or partner? It's almost impossible to get them to get off the gr- get anything off the ground because, I don't know, for whatever reason, they're just, uh, they have their own in- individual issues, their own individual needs, or their, uh, their own individual pursuits, and they don't have time to cooperate right. with other people in a common interest. And 
I never really connected it with this sense of like, I think a lot of times people are so uh, committed to the home and to the family. The thought of what, adding more time or yep. more more uh, energy to something else that's yep. outside the home, like, oh, goodness, I don't have time for that. That's yep. just too much. And I just find that really, uh, that, is a, that is a concerning um, kind of pattern that I don't see changing anytime soon. It's just right. probably going to get worse. Yep. Right? Uh, but that's when it comes to mothers, I think, especially when the church throughout the 20th century, especially, the church has always been populated by women who are involved in the church and give a lot of their time mm-hmm. to church. Well, now that same intensity has now been replaced with the home and the family. And I brought, I wrote this on the side of the article. Is that, do you see an increase in homeschooling as a part of this trend? Because there's more and more moms and families that I interact with, young families that get that are involved in our church and other churches that are homeschool centric families. And there's so much yeah. home related activity yeah. and focus. And they see that as a biblical Kind of like, well, the Bible. This is this is good. The home is good. This is yeah. great. Everything we we do in the home. This is we 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 our children don't sit out of the home for schooling. We do everything here. Yeah. And should we be concerned about that and its implications? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly would say that it is that um, the uh, increase in uh, number of people homeschooling is a result of of this issue, and as is. Uh, the increase in um, enrollment in private schools and, and these sorts of things. Uh, I mean, you can't take things out of their context, so you, sure. you have to admit that public schools have been declining. Sure. Um, and public schools and their decline is uh, the, the number one factor in that decline is, as we have talked about in the last few months, uh, parents, uh, family structure, declining general moral structure. Listen, if your school has to constantly be solving moral issues, that means your educational process is going to be hampered. Right. And that's, I mean, that's just one thing that we're seeing. Right. When teachers are expected to also be social workers, they can't, right. they won't be as good teachers. Right. As you, simple. Right. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not saying to teachers, hey, don't care about young people. I'm saying that, look, uh, our societal problems cannot be, uh, cannot be thrown out and not seen to factor into this because they are certainly leading to it. Uh, so let me point those statistics before we move on. Uh, sociologist Paul Amato uh, has found that it is fun to compare the 1960s, um, whereas, uh, as is so often known, uh, a lot of social norms changed. Um, but in the 1960s, in his parents' generation, he said that they had 51% more friends uh, 39% more likely, they were 39% more likely to share friends with their spouse, uh, which is important. It's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, and like you said, had 168% more organizational memberships. It's a, it's a huge insight, something I never thought about what you said earlier, that uh, that organizational memberships do flow directly out of friendships. Yeah. That that, that bond that is formed in a friendship uh, then, in the past, went to live in these organizations. How did you get involved in one? Well, a friend introduced you to it. Yeah, exactly. That's how that happened. Right. Um, and, and those things are in free fall, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. it, so, so you have that 168% uh, more organizational memberships in the 60s, and, then, and we're 133% more likely to share those affiliations with their spouse. And, and these are things that are a marriage safety net as well that we are cutting. 
Right. Look, uh, it is a story that I keep in my mind that is common that, look, if you and your spouse don't have anything in common but the children, don't be surprised when those children leave the house if all of a sudden you and your spouse don't have anything in common. Period. So, yeah. End of sentence. Right. That's dangerous. Right. That is frightening. I, I get it. I see how it can happen. Right. Kids demand a lot. Yeah. Uh, but watch out for that. Watch out for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that uh, the organizational membership stuff, we just see these common trends. And um, and I think, you know, we I think we have a pretty interesting perspective as pastors of churches and being having certain uh, positions to be able to kind of observe and just kind of see the lay of the land. Yeah. And, and you see these you see these dis, these things, you see them kind of materializing in front of you where. One of the things as a pastor that I've always noticed as becoming a you know, growing issue is is just women do not connect with each other anymore, mm-hmm. and and that, but yet they they spend so much time with their with their children. But even and then the, the byproduct of that is husbands will then respond to that yeah. by by feeling the sense of burden to constantly be in the home. Yeah, and and so like. And, and usually the the common uh, the common like counseling from the husbands who are coming to you and say hey this is going on say well your wife needs more friends that's like the common counseling uh, point but then the wife still doesn't make friends and then the husband still has the same problems yeah and and then when the husband does have friends there's a sense of 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 I don't know guilt by spending time with that friends because the wife doesn't have friends yep. Oh, yeah, so it's sure. a constant. Yep. It's a constant swirling, yep. and so women continue to feel disconnected from one yep. another, yep. and they're trying to get it from their husbands yep. and from their children, and so they spend more time in the home, yep. and they call their husband to be more more in the home, and the husband needs more time with friends, and so there's just this constant spiraling yep. that all kind of goes down to, man, we need more friends yep. that we can talk to and that we can interact with, and we can find joy in having. And that's okay. It's not saying that your partner is uh, doesn't uh, is is somehow uh, not satisfying your needs, right? right. Uh, or that uh, you're. Oh, I must be. I must not be a very good mother because I don't or a good father because I don't want to be around my children, right? Every just, minute of every yeah, day. And there's a constant right. yep. constant burden, and it seems like for young husbands and wives and young parents. The feeling of guilt is constant. Yes, it's constant. Yeah, that yeah. honestly, I don't necessarily. I don't know. If this is a generation a little bit ahead. I don't ever feel that guilt. I mean, at times, maybe as people who are very. I mean, I would say I'm fairly ambitious and and try to and try to accomplish and have goals and stuff. And, and at times, being a bit ambitious, you lead to. I mean, I probably have not been spending enough time with my kids. I've been kind of too focused on that and stuff. And so you, you kind of make some, some sure. you manage that. You try to make some course corrections on a week to week or month to month basis, but never a sense of like, gosh, I just feel horrible all the time because I'm, I'm always neglecting and neglecting and neglecting. And I feel like this generation who's intensifying parenting, one of the byproducts is they're always guilty. Right. And I mean, one thing I'll say about that is one, uh, guilt is a theological issue. Yeah. Uh, so, so you need a theology of guilt, first of all, but then the other thing that is lacking is a theology of the family. And uh, wh- when have I done my due for my family? That's a, that's an, oh, a hugely yeah. important question yeah. that, that it seems sort of the um, contemporary answer is, oh, you've never done enough. And it's like, you know, listen, that, that may sound to you 
like there's some sort of life in there or that you're pushing yourself and uh, in, in some way that might be God-honoring. But look, God's will for you is not that you would just be so close to burnout all the time Yeah. that if you know a couple things go wrong this week rather than one thing, that you just lose it. Yeah. Um, that's, not, that's not God's will for your life. And in fact, uh, God's structure for a family that, that a, a husband would provide protection and provision and that a wife would provide nurture and guidance. And then, the, yes, there is covering for each other in, in certain ways been in there. But, but then beyond that, look, if you've done those things and if you're doing those things, Leave the rest to God and live your life. Yeah. If, if, if you are lacking joy in this area, I, I do encourage you talk talk to someone about this. Show your heart. Share what is actually going on. Because I, I think a lot of what's going on here is people hiding what they're afraid of, what they feel inadequate about. Because look, parenting exposes your weaknesses. Oh, yeah. I mean, from the start, you yeah. are drawn outside of yourself. And you, this person who in your life had been allowed to have a whole lot of selfishness, all of a sudden you have this tiny human being who's like, listen, I got a lot of things I'm going to want from you. Right, right. And I, I might, it might happen at one in the morning. Right. It might happen one, two, three, four, and five in the morning. Right. I don't, I don't intend to let you be your best yeah. self every it may, day. It may immediately, when you get home from work, and that may be the exact moment when I need X, Y, and Z, but That's you're right. you're not prepared to give me X, Y, and Z, but I, I don't really care about your, the difficulty of your work and what right. you need to do in the next five minutes. Right. But that's what I need right now, yeah. and I'm going to make that known through crying. That's, you know, yeah. parenting. And yeah. so there's a part of this that it's, um, you know, look, yes, uh, children are a top priority in our lives. But what does that mean exactly? You are not doing your child a service by being at high stress every day. You're not doing your child a service by never doing anything that you enjoy mm-hmm. in hopes, especially in hopes. It's a lot of burden to lay on a child in hopes that they might become your best friend one day. The placing all, listen, uh, that's, uh, well, first of all, that's not in, in the Bible as far as like you should, God doesn't tell you to expect that. Right. Uh, you, you should expect to be their parent. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, it's, it's just an odd project. It's probably in part the result that we've kind of, you know, torn out the foundations and gone like, well, we could, we could redo this in other ways. And it's like, well, um, be really clear about what you're trying and, and yeah. then be honest about whether or not it's working. Right. And, um, uh, it, you know, for me, it is about uh, what we talked about. The guilt is a theological issue. So a theology of guilt is necessary and a theology of the family. And then, Live your life. Life is still an adventure. It's still to be enjoyed. Right. And, and I, that is a, a great legacy to leave to your child. I mean, one of the things that I've heard recently that I agree with very much is that you need to let your child know, I mean, as a husband, that you want to take care of their mother even before them. Yeah. Because their mother, a mother has impulses to sacrifice herself for her children all the time. Right. She does not have a lot of impulses to protect herself. Right. That is another thing that a husband needs to be tuned into. You take care of your wife as she has this intense urge to take care of children. That that picks up immediately right. and, and it right. changes right. your wife's personality. And, and so th- there's just a lot going on there. This is a lot uh, to think through in that way. Uh, let me throw a few different kind of kind of different angles in that made me think uh, 
in, in a lot of ways, these are sort of more disagreements I had uh, yeah, sure. with him. So um, sure. he says, quote, from 1950 to 1970, the yearly income of the median worker more than doubled. And those at the bottom of the earnings distribution saw their earnings increase even more, uh, writes the Stanford sociologist Marianne Cooper in her book, Cut Adrift, Families in Insecure Times. For example, he says from 1980 to 2004, the number of workers covered by traditional retirement pension decreased from 60% to 11%. Now, I don't doubt uh, the numbers, but uh, right. there is an entire stream in this article that um, – that this is a lot about income inequality, that, that the reason there's so much burden put on parents is that it, it, this is a, this is a, 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 the elite have all, all this ability to focus on children, and that's not afforded to everybody. Um, I, I, that doesn't seem to be the main issue to me, but you tell me what you think. Yeah, well, and reading that, and just the kind of the, the, the financial and emotional burden on families and um, it just is, and the government doesn't doesn't provide as much as it used to, and there's not that that foundation that the government's providing, um, and, and and also corporations as well, right? Um, hence the numbers you mentioned. Um, and, and I was reading that, of course, it brings up again our ba- our best friend here, Sweden. I mean, we were, I was I know, it's hilarious. Before. Comes up all the they, time. They, they, people are like, why don't we live in Sweden? It sounds like a wonderful place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sweden is going to be our sponsor for this podcast. That's right. We are later. Yeah, the nation yes. of Sweden. We supported their view on the on the coronavirus, <laughs> and now we support them in other ways as well. But um, and we love all things Volvo. This is brought to you by Volvo. Uh, but um, uh, but you know, a uh, uh, quick little story. And, and I'm jumping ahead here with Germany as well. But we were I was skiing. Uh, this was years ago. We were skiing in Aspen. And um, and uh, we're on the gondola, and uh, we're going up there as a German citizen, and he was telling us how many vacation weeks he got off. And yeah, he yeah, yeah. In Colorado for like two weeks. Yeah. And he's like, Americans, you don't take very many vacations. So I'm like, yes, correct, we don't take very many vacations. <laughs> but you know, thinking through that though, you know, um, I think that the the I do the the burden of work. I think is regardless of money distribution and inequality that type of thing that. I think all Americans, whether they're rich or poor, there's a burden of work yeah. that European countries don't necessarily have. And I think we see it as like a badge of honor. Oh, yeah, we're not like the French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like we don't, we don't take the whole summer off or that type of thing. Like we, we, we're not like the Germans and the Swedes. But with that being said, you know, there is numbers taking out that, that European countries that have more time of off and, and the government provides more corporations, provides more care to their workers – that there, there is a healthy benefit benefit of that. Now, I don't know if that would necessarily then cause parents to be less intensive. I'm not really sure. I think there's something else going on with heart. Like we talked about with guilt and stuff. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, you change the financial or you change some of the other type of uh, work-based customs in our country that somehow all of a sudden parents aren't going to intensify parenting. Yeah, I don't, right. Yeah. That's a pretty, I don't know, that's a pretty big connection there, a uh, big leap, I think, but... But it is interesting brought up, though, that the, the issue with it, even with, 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 with the way we even do school in Sweden, the way that they do school is that kids have far more freedom. They're not in school from 8 to 3. Mm-hmm. They can go home for lunch. And there's just a lot more freedom with kids when it comes to school. Mm-hmm. Um, we basically, if, we, if you send your kid, your kid to public schools, they're there all day, right? And uh, then they're given homework for two or three hours. And, and so there's a right. sense where even within... Our education, yes. we're already starting them That's off right. with yeah, this sure. kind of burden Definitely. of work. Um, and um, 
and so I don't I don't know I don't know if if that's just a, where we are as a society and culture that America is just not going to be able to turn the corner on that you know yeah. that uh, corporations within even their construction they're not going to be start giving out seven weeks vacation mm-hmm. for employees you know regardless of where they are in the in the hierarchy in the chain so but I do think there's a sense where maybe like if there was a change there if there was a change in the way that we look at time off, the way that we look at, um, you know, uh, uh, we think about work week. If that would release some of the tension with families in that, um, I'm not really sure. I, there may be a lot of different variables that our culture could change, the way that we do education, the way that we do work, that could maybe help parents to, uh, to think a little different. And, and maybe uh, not be so uh, pressed down by just the burden of work. Um, I'm not really sure. We just don't seem like we're anywhere near that type of change in our culture. Right. I mean, the two things I, I would uh, say in critique of this idea that, oh, wow, you know, it's because of income inequality is, is the kind of the main thing behind this intensive parenting issue. It seems to me, one, uh, we continue to spend money, whether we make, say, you know, $40,000 a year, $80,000 a year, $120,000. People, people usually just spend the money that comes in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have all talked to uh, parents and grandparents about, well, yeah, you know, you might have lived, uh, especially when you first got married in a, in a very small house, but I, you know, I want to live in this size of house. Um, I mean, one thing personally that, uh, that we uh, have had to consider just because of our family size. I mean, we live in a three-bedroom house, and we're about to have our third child. So in, in this sort of old traditional mindset of what I, I, I came to see as I came of age, oh, well, you're going you're to have a bedroom for every child, right? And it's like, but why, why does that have to be the way? Right. Uh, right. And, and we've come to adopt these mindsets that, well, you know— uh, houses should keep, just keep getting bigger and, you know, cars should just keep getting bigger and bigger and nicer and yeah, you keep on yeah. paying more and more. And, yeah, and uh, I agree. And that's, uh, it's not a given is, right. is the first thing uh, that I'm saying. I mean, for instance, he says here, quote, today, the average middle-class married couple with children in the U S works an additional 15 weeks of full-time employment each year compared with couples in 1975. Uh, first of all, that does not account for the fact that women have entered the workforce Every year, more and more, uh, certainly from 1975 to, let's just say, like 1990, you would see a significant Mm -hmm. uh, increase, just like you probably did from 1955 to 1975, maybe not as as pronounced, but that's just, these statistics uh, discount sort of a lot of of important things, because my second second issue is that, when's the last time you heard somebody say, oh... We were involved in too many little leagues, so we cut back just because we wanted to have time for our family. Right. People don't do that. For all our talk, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. It's like, okay, you started those. You can stop them. Right. And and there is, I get it. I know there is a fear in some people. Well, you know, they might help my child with success, but I see see a lot of retreat into busyness. I see a lot of people... um, who feel overwhelmed by, I think, a lot of the things that we're facing. And look, it is a time of massive change. There are a lot of things that are happening that are scary. But I see, I I, I would term it that, a retreat into busyness so that maybe at the end of your life you can go, well, I don't know if I spent all the time the best, but I can tell you I was real busy. Right. 
as if somehow that's good enough. Right. It's not. I mean, like, look, I, I'm not, this is not to add more burden, but it's not as simple as keep yourself busy, and then all of a sudden you can just go, well, I don't know if that was the best way to spend my time, but I certainly spent it. Yeah. You know, pray for wisdom, but know that wisdom is not just found in unending busyness. Yeah, it is weird that you, know, you, you have husbands and wives now both working outside the home, but yet... There's a view of I've got a bit, I've got a parent with more intensity even mm-hmm. though I'm actually outside the home yep. more. Yep. Yep. And then and then uh, you know you're thinking about money, but yet things are you know bigger cars, bigger homes, more technologies that yep. cost money and things yep. like that. And so it's like, well, the buying habits don't really reflect necessarily like if if you if you feel like you're burdened by financial issues, well then right. why not? cut some things why why do you feel like you have to have four bedrooms when three will do right. why do you feel like you have to remodel your kitchen when your kitchen was fine before that uh, so realize that you, you know these are all voluntary decisions yep. and yep. you're making them act like you don't have a choice yep. well we have to buy the eight row eight seat suburban why because our, we've got three kids now right. do you have to buy it right we have to buy it why because you're you feel like you're in that part of your life and therefore that's the next stage of life I think people in America, when we talk about liberty and freedom, actually act yep. as if they have none. Yep. Yep. And so you talk about baseball. I mean, well, we have to put Jimmy in baseball. Why? Because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have time to put him in baseball? D- didn't he already do a sport last? Yeah, yeah, but he, he wants to do baseball. Is that he wants to do baseball? Or right. you like feel like you have to put him in there because Jimmy's friend's also playing baseball. It's, like, it's almost like there's just so much... As if we don't make, and I do, I do believe that. As I was saying before, I do think the government and the corporations could help a little bit, right? Yeah. They could provide. I think it's nuts when someone gets a new job, they get two weeks of vacation. Yeah. I think that's crazy. I, I know we're America, but like the thought that the Germans get six or seven and we get two, just like I, I just like there's something off there. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it, it goes to the corporation level is like more money, more money, more money. But then the, the parents and the families have bought in it more money, more money, more money, so we can buy more things. But no one's ever gone, is that healthy for us? Like, right. Is that good for us? Is it good for everyone around? Should we step, try to make as much money and then think about how much, how can we create a culture where people are productive and are working while at the same time are taking care of themselves sure. and are healthy? I think that those both of those things can go together. I think governments are always saying, how can we, how can we help people make more money? Mm-hmm. But yet, they never thought to go, how can we help people be healthier while they're making money? Yeah. Like, that right. seems like that's just not a part of the formula of the equation. So I think, I think that there's a, a different things that need to happen. I think people need to invest in relationships. They need to invest in friendships. They need people that aren't there, uh, that are their kids. Uh, and, and kids also need friends that are not their parents. Yep. They need to be involved in, in, in organizations that are helping to, to build a better community. And they need to stop being so burdened by expectations that they're putting on themselves that are actually, if you're a Christian listening, that aren't biblical. That if anyone's putting those expectations on you, they're not that's not coming from God. Yep. And and take the time to when they are provided. To rest and enjoy life. Right. And, and I think, like, and help your kids. Give your kids your model of that. That they're not growing up in a world that they go from intensive parenting to intensive school to intensive work. Yep. To death. Yep. 
Like that's the life because right. they're gonna they're seeing everything you do, and if you bring intensity yep. to everything yep. you bring, then they're gonna think that's what life is. It's intensity, intensity, intensity well, to yeah, everything. And that's, uh, I mean, that is very American. Uh, that that's something that we do. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I I agree with you. It's it is something that we are not asking the question. Okay, is, it, is this a good life? Yeah, is uh, is, have we de- have we found it? Because <laughs> uh, I don't feel like it's good, you know. And because um, <laughs> I mean, there's this whole—it's uh, like lurking in the background of our whole economic discussion. Here's the discussions we often have about debt, and there's a lot of debt floating around, yeah. uh, which adds stress. It does. Um, and and these are not life-giving things. I mean, you're reminding me as you're talking about rest and some of these things that that are encouraged in in the Bible. I mean, you think about how uh, the Book of Hebrews talks about you know look. God's rest is is coming, yeah. and 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 to a degree, His rest is available to you now. And there there are certain categories that we have just like it's like our desk is piled with yeah. so many different things right now. Yeah, and certainly not on there anywhere is like peace and rest. Uh, ask yourself right now: Is joy on there? You know, resting in a happiness that you do not have to manufacture. Yeah. Uh, there, there, are th- there are categories that we are just not, they're, they're not on our radar and they should be. And, and, and so, I mean, one formula for this is, you know, we are trying to define our happiness in, in ways that leave out entire, uh, categories from the Bible. I mean, uh, wholeness, are, are we, are we on a path to wholeness right now? Shalom, the real right, peace that, right. that comes from wholeness. Not just the absence of conflict, because look, if you, if you what you want is the absence of conflict, this world does not intend to give it to you. Um, so it will push you away from it more often than not. Right. You know, and even you know, we're talking about this from a parenting time, but we we can do we can fall in the same traps as pastors in the church, intensify discipleship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like yep. you know, and, yep. and we can almost be so so intensive with our language that the Bible doesn't even provide. And, and, and I think it's just an American culture that we yep. have to be so intensive. Yep. Yep. And it's like, you've got to do accountability group every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you got, and just constantly almost adding more to the pile that you're mm-hmm. mentioning. And then like peace and rest is just like totally pushed away. Cause it's like, oh, if you're resting, you're, you're going into sin or something like that. It's like, we just don't allow ourselves to just, I, I've been uh, thinking about Psalms 23 and just like laying in green pastures, right? Laying there as if, and I was reading something that says like, if you're laying in the green pasture, you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. Like this is, this is a good place to be. Yeah. It's not like, oh, there's only a little bit of grass. And so don't lay down, just stand up because we're going to be moving to another place. So yeah. lay there. You're going to be yeah. here for a little bit. Yeah. The grass isn't going anywhere. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's an abundance. And uh, we read that passage, we've memorized it, but yet do we feel, do we experience this still water and rest and rest and restoration that the Bible is giving that we can actually like encourage one another to find and, and be a part of and do, but yet we allow the culture of the world just to say, no, 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 don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that will just lead to poverty. I don't do that stuff. That'll lead right. to, yeah, whatever it is. That's not, that's not the good life. You've got to work for it. Yeah. You've got you got to work hard for the good life right. if you want it, right? Yeah. Um, let me throw another stat out here as we're moving towards the close. Uh, he says, "quote According to one study, the average number of close relationships that adults had with friends, coworkers, and neighbors decreased by a third from 1985 to 2004." 
Meanwhile, the number of hours they spent with children skyrocketed. So listen to this. Married father's time tripled. Married mothers increased a third. Um, Now this, single mothers doubled their time spent with children in in that period, 1985 to 2004. Single mothers doubled the time. That was already a high number that doubled. Single fathers uh, went from, I can remember the number on this, was something like an hour uh, a week to eight hours a week, um, I believe was the number, but it was it was multiplied times eight. Um, and so uh, you can see, again, if you look at this article, you can see the actual numbers on all these things, right. but that, that you can you can imagine in your mind that in general, as time with friends, coworkers, neighbors has gone down or had gone down 1985 to 2004, uh, focus on children and time with children went up. Um, and and what are the results of that? And what what has that uh, done for us? And can we guarantee now? I mean, look, if if you don't work with young people as you and I do, and as I mean, we talked about this on the podcast, that look, there's an epidemic of anxiety among young people. It's not as if right. it's not as if they go hand in hand. We look out here at all these children who are going ah. Ever since you left everything. And gave up anything you enjoyed, or particularly these hobbies, interests, things that you enjoyed, and focused on us. Man, we are out. We are all nuclear physicists. I mean, yeah. we are solving the world's problem. Right. No, that's that's not happening. I'm not laying that blame on parents, but I'm saying there's no proof that this is working. Right. Meanwhile, are we producing in any of our corners? Are we producing a better adjusted, happier, less anxious people? I don't think we are. I, there's certainly no proof of that. So, uh, so these are questions to be asked. Uh, what are we doing, and what fruits is it producing? Really, what 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 fruit? What are the fruits of what we are doing and what we're changing? Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right in connecting those two things. That as parents have have rejected and and. And put friendships and kind of set out those aren't those aren't needed those aren't as important as I just need to focus here. The children have increased in their anxiety, and which pretty much shows you that the children do not need all of your time. Um, they, if anything, you are setting a model for them, and if you are saying friendships and people and being a part of of of, of teams that are doing stuff, that's not important. Well, yeah. they're going to have the same conclusion. And then they're, therefore they're going to then also not benefit from friendships and, and being around other people. And they're, that's going to increase their anxiety. And it's gonna, they're, they're going to model that in their own homes. And it's just going to create this spiral and circle right. of, of people who are just completely burdened and completely yep. exhausted and weary and never thinking, I wonder if what I'm doing is not the right way and I need to probably change my my thinking on this yeah. and I need to maybe surround myself with people far more often than I do I need to stop with the individualized I'm just gonna watch this TV show by myself uh, I love Doctor Who Doctor Who is far more fun to watch with people than it's by yourself mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things are more fun to watch I mean I'm even Star Trek is probably more fun yep. to watch yeah. with other people than with by yourself I think even these things that we enjoy yep. are meant to be watched with other people yep. So yep. why not enjoy it to its full extent? Yep. Why not enjoy board games, which are great, which you have to have with other people? Yep. Video games are great. I understand you're a big video game guy, but even video games are better with... I mean, it's better to play Madden with somebody than with by yep. yourself. Yeah, couch, co- couch co-op is a great thing. Yeah, it's so great. And so I think we just kind of break out of these these trends and, 
and start uh, going back to what was great about the 60s and other times of like, man, when you were a kid and you got on your bike and went and played with your friends and those were good sweet times, then um, just because you become an adult doesn't mean you have to stop doing that. Right. You know, I think you your kids need to see that. And man, my kids are young and they love play dates, man. They're like, hey, somebody coming over? They're coming over and play? Oh, right. somebody come over and play. Yeah. I mean, do we want to say, ah, you don't need those kids? You know, just play with me. Right. I'm your mom. I'm your dad. I'll play with you. Yeah. Yeah, you can throw the ball with them a little bit, but they need a friend to throw the ball with. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, well, I uh, I don't always want to give sort of um, prescriptions, but in regard to this, I did uh, want to think it through and have uh, some summaries. And um, so so I've got three things here in closing uh, about this. First thing uh, is success is a much defined and much sought after Fairly, uh, very rarely thought through. So I, I would encourage you, first of all, define godliness as success. I actually, credit uh, my pastor David Cullison uh, for this. He talks about this that he's told he told his kids this all growing up. That I don't care what you do for your job. I don't care uh, about a whole lot of things that that you can decide in your life. But be a godly person. Right. Respect people. Right. Love people. Help people. Um, define godliness as success. And let other chips fall where they may, because you can't get it all. You you cannot get it all. Uh, And we often are trying to have it all. Um, But that feeds right into the second thing that I want to say, which is you cannot succeed for your child. Uh, You can't do it. And in Mm -hmm. fact, you may be putting an undue burden on them by feeding all your ideas of success uh, onto your child. They're going to have to make their own way. Right. Um, I, I mean, I want to credit my mom here who, uh, I remember she tried a court reporter program. I remember when she was doing that when I was a kid, she wasn't able to do it. She worked two jobs to, to take care of me, uh, growing up. And then when I got to college age, she said, you know, I didn't, I haven't done this. So you're just going to have to give it a shot. Yeah. And, and you know, look, I knew that. Yeah. And I, and I accepted that. And I went, all right, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. You know, I, I I went to junior. I wouldn't change anything. I went to a junior college, Southeastern Illinois College. It was a good experience. I went to a very small Bible college. I had a good experience. I learned along the way. I made some mistakes, but you cannot define success uh, for your yeah, child, and you, you can't succeed for them. Right. Uh, is, is what I mean to say. They're going to have to decide. It is a very powerful thing to de- decide for yourself. Here's what I'm going to go after, and here are the, the goals that I now have. Right. If you think you're going to offload yours and that your child is going to burn with desire for what are your goals, oh, I, I have another thing uh, yeah, coming for just you. Just to throw this in here, yeah, thankfully, you know, you know, Martin Luther's father was a minor and wanted his son to be a lawyer, and his right. son became a theologian. Yes. And, and uh, I think God had far more in store for Martin Luther than his father did. You know, and his father, his father wanted to be a successful lawyer. Right. He wasn't that. He ended up becoming a monk. Yeah, and that's a common story. We talk a lot about yeah. modern ideas uh, uh, of, you know, of, of kind of setting your own course. But, but here's one thing about this. You know, look, aptitudes do not just get directly passed from generation mm-hmm. to generation. Everybody's not good at the same thing. Exactly. And so you can't, you just can't assume all that. Sometimes right. it happens that a, right. uh, a man who's a lawyer... As a child who's a lawyer, That's right. a woman who's a lawyer, as a daughter who's a lawyer, this right. kind of things happen. But whatever it is, um, one thing you and I see a lot that, that kind of feeds into this is, you know, look, um, prepare your child so that, say, say, for instance, when college admission time comes, they go and do that. You don't need to go there for them. You're not, you don't need to be going to job interviews right. with your kid. That's right. Uh, listen, 
prepare them for, I mean, look, one thing in, in telling them you're their parent, I, I'm going to treat my kids special, like, like they matter because they do matter more right. to me than to the general right. world at large. Right. But listen, that's fine. Right. And I need to prepare them for that. Right. But they shouldn't expect the whole world to look at them as the apple of their eye, the right. way their mom and I do. Yeah. God gave them to us to raise. It's our responsibility. It's our God-given responsibility. It's not the world's responsibility to treat them as if they're the only person coming along. And, and these are things that I think we're not very good at. Uh, we don't like to think this far. Um, but again, this is, this is just the theology of what's happening uh, in the world. I mean, everything from a theology of work to uh, theology of spiritual warfare. There will be uh, sins uh, that that your kids will have yeah. an interest in. They're they called will. to work in a sinful world. Yes. Yeah. And so it's going to be challenging. Yeah, it's going to be challenging. And you, need to, you need to anticipate problems, yeah. anticipate struggles. Don't yeah. anticipate them having every advantage because they won't. They won't. Listen, some kids have a hard time. I, listen, I work with kids. Some kids have a hard time with math. Yep. In a world that says STEM is everything, man, that kid is going to have a hard way to go. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You need to... That, Everybody's got some of those sorts of things, that's right. and we don't all get this equal share, this equal break. That's right. And, and that's just the way it is. Um, so you can't succeed for your child. And then third, though, your example does matter. Mm-hmm. And your example matters not only just as you as a parent, you as a person. You want to set an example as, I want to be a healthy person for my child. I want, I want to be balanced. I want to show them. Listen, it's, it's not as if you look back on your mom having a bunco uh, group and go, like, oh, look at her. Yeah, you know, just what a waste of time. Yeah, what what was she doing? Not <laughs> not playing Legos with me. Right. Is it as a kid? Honestly. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. I don't want to be there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, so that's just odd that way. So 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 think about that too. Uh, there's there there's a lot we can do for our kids, but it's not always. It's it's just a very uh, kind of short sighted way to look at it. To just go, well, I'm a, I'm like a. a teapot I got to pour into my my little teacup here it's like no there's a lot more going on than that and you got to think beyond just that one sort of mechanism there very very good and there's probably more things we could talk about and discuss I have to run and pick up my daughter from school and so down the street so um uh, very good conversation thank you for the article and uh, this has been Empires of the Future who hopes to be back next week and I have a few weeks off, but we're going to hopefully be back next week. That's the plan. And so this has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future. When I was a boy, mother said, son, got